When I first started, you know, consulting and traveling and getting into the lifestyle design world, the, the travel and the freedom were amazing. And then as I got farther along, I realized traveling and freedom are really fun, but they're not ultimately what makes me most happy. So now I've kind of shifted. So I still have similar ideas of freedom and like use your freedom to create a life that makes you happy and fulfilled. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Boss Man, it's the New Year's Day episode, 2016. Fresh calendar year. What's your theme of 2016? The theme of 2016? Yeah. This is a lot of pressure, man. I know, I know. Well, we got a dream line still this year? You had a whole year to come up with it. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm not really asking for too much. Oh, man. I'll tell you what, one thing that is on a lot of people's calendars in 2016 is either visiting or moving to Austin, Texas. It is literally the number one city in the Dynamite Circle community in terms of number of members that live there. And there's a lot of compelling reasons why people, including yourself, are making it their home. Very compelling. Very compelling. When I visited you recently, I brought two things. One is my bike. We rode a lot of really cool places to ride in Austin. And two, I brought my microphone. And we went around town and interviewed a lot of these young entrepreneurs that are coming to town for a program we're going to pull together about Austin. And one of the people that really jumped out at me, one of the conversations I enjoyed the most was with a guy named Peter Griffin. Not the guy from Family Guy. No. Peter is a DC member who made the decision to base himself in Austin about two years ago. And we just had a lot in common. I thought his entrepreneurial story and his rationale for relocating to Austin was pretty interesting. So... I think Peter had some interesting reflections about how different things make us happy as our lives and careers evolve. So I thought instead of airing the Austin episode this week, we'd do a little primer and jump into Peter's story and talk a little bit about entrepreneurship and Austin. This is a conversation that we had at one of the many, many cool places to hang out in Austin. We are sitting in Opa, Opa Cafe, and this is, it's kind of a funky building, right? Like it's got this red interior, there's this large ceiling with rafters right above us, like almost like half of a chapel. I'm glad you asked me to come here because this to me feels like such a typical Austin place. It's a house, it's a house. converted with a bunch of like funky stuff on the walls and funky mm -hmm. furniture. You can drink beer, you can drink coffee, you can order some food, and there's a bunch of laptops around. Right. One thing is I'm hearing everybody talking business around me. I'm not hearing a lot of artists talking here. What, yeah, I mean, you get all kinds of people in OPA, that's for sure. There's definitely a lot of business here. There's a lot of business in Austin. I think that's pretty common. Like most places you go, there's a lot of entrepreneurs and freelancers and people doing their own thing. Right. But that's what I love about this place in particular is you can work here all day. Like I've actually had days where I've eaten breakfast, lunch, and dinner here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can come and you can work during the day. And then at night, they'll usually have live music out front. The outside is amazing. They have a great classic Austin, you know, gravel floor outside area where they have a stage and they often have people playing live music. So you can come and you can drink wine and chat. 
Now, before this interview, Peter and I talked about his life story for like 30 minutes. Very interesting guy. Grew up in Minneapolis and took a psychology degree. But instead of going and getting a job, which might have been pretty difficult to get one with a psychology degree, went to China to take care of some kids for some time. And I think the way he described it to me was that opened up his mind to a different sort of lifestyle possibility, one with more freedom of options than just getting a job. So when he moved back to the States, he decided to do, I think what a lot of us do is instead of starting with a job offer or maybe a dreamline or another heuristic for deciding how to get started with your career, Peter thought that he'd start with a location first that he thought might be a good place to build a life. The first place he selected was Portland, Oregon, a place that many people compare to Austin. They do. And when I got here from Portland, I was like, it's not really that similar. There are similarities, but on the surface, I think it's pretty different. It's just aesthetically very different. Oregon is a very different state than Texas. Oregon has mountains and it's raining all the time and there's huge trees and lots of, there's just green things growing out of every little crevice. (laughs) It's way more artisanal. The streets are a bit smaller. Everything is a bit more expertly crafted, I would say. Whereas coming to Austin, Austin's a driving city. It's Texas. There's like big roads. It's got, there's more of like a boxy feel. It still has the same amazing establishments as Portland, but they're like just dressed differently. So when I first came, I was like, this does not feel like Portland at all. I wouldn't say it's different. a particularly beautiful place, Austin, Texas. No, it's not. That's why I think that was part of the disappointment when I first got here was like, this does not seem as cool as Portland. Tell me about your philosophy of going someplace first rather than having something to do. Yeah. So I graduated and I had no idea like what I wanted to do with my life at all. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah. And that seems to be the main focus. Like, oh, you graduated. You should have a plan of what you're doing. And right. I just had no idea how to fill in that blank. So... I thought about it and I figured, you know, what you do is a really large part of your life and shapes a large part of your life, but so does where you live because that is going to determine who you meet, what you end up doing when you're not working and and a bunch of different things that shape your life. So I figured if I could put myself in a city that I really enjoy and a culture that I enjoy, that would set me up for a good life down the road. And, you know, eventually I would figure out what the hell I was going to do for work. So on paper, Portland was your first choice. Portland was my first choice. And Um, what are the attributes that inspired that? Like I said, I'd always thought that I was kind of more of a West Coast person. I tried the East Coast thing in college and didn't really like the culture very much. So I thought I would be a better fit for West Coast culture, but I didn't want to live in a huge city like LA or even Seattle. So Portland seemed a lot like Minneapolis, which is where I grew up. So there's like a lot of parks. It's a little bit smaller. There's all the stereotypes you hear beforehand. Like I just imagined a land with like books and coffee shops and it seemed like a good place to be unemployed to be unemployed exactly which is which is likely what was going to happen and did happen for a while so you're in portland you eventually get a job working well tell me about the job that you got there first job that i got was working at an assisted living home so i showed up and i knew that the odds of me finding a quote-unquote real job were not good because it was 2009 like the height of the crisis i had just graduated I had no experience. I didn't even know what I wanted to do. And so I was visiting my grandpa at his assisted living home and I was just telling someone that story and they were like, well, if you need a job, you can work here. So I decided to take them up on that until I figured out what I was going to do just to pay the bills. We talked a little bit about before the interview about being in an assisted living home. I think your perspective is interesting. Not a lot of people have it. Tell me a little bit about what you learned about people towards the end of their life. Yeah, it was a really interesting way to like start my career because I was starting my career being surrounded by people at the end of their life. One of the surprising things was I kind of had in my head that older people are just, they have so much wisdom because they've, they've lived life and they've kind of figured it all out and they're just kind of 
coasting out the rest of their <laughs> days in ease. But it, it didn't seem like that. Like one of the surprising things is they seem mostly like normal people. They just happen to be a lot older. It seemed like they had the same like insecurities and uncertainties. It made me realize that I guess one of the lessons was life is pretty short. There's no guarantee that you're just going to go through life and it'll all be awesome and amazing. Make the most of life so that when you are in that stage, you, you can just kind of sit back and coast out your golden years. Why did you leave Portland? A couple of different reasons. The term that I've often used is I've never been married to Portland. I really liked it. But there were times when I was like, so am I just going to stay here forever? That was someone I know from a different community. Tell, tell me about it. Tell me who, uh, who is that? So, so, so a guy in a cowboy hat <laughs> just walks by and he touches you on the shoulder. Yeah. What the hell's going on? He's someone I know from Mankind, Mankind Project. And what is that? It's basically a, a community for men to have a safe place to be men and be surrounded by other men with you know and, and sort of have a safe place to discuss the things that we don't normally discuss as men in life so nice so you got like a couple secret societies here yeah i do actually <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because yeah i don't really know how to describe mankind i imagine when i talk about people are like oh that's some weird cult or some strange like voodoo something or other so you were talking about why you left portland and i think that was related to the job i was like is this just my life like i just kind of wake up and months pass and is this how the rest of it goes but you mentioned too that four-hour work week had a role totally and you're thinking what was its role like everybody else i read that four-hour work week and i realized that i didn't have to follow the normal life plan i remember i had this one moment when i was in my job i was out for drinks after work with coworkers, we somehow ended up talking about what we're going to be doing down the road or in five years. And I remember thinking to myself, whoa, the odds are really good that I'm going to be doing the same work that I'm not that happy with, just probably further along, like in a higher position. And I remember that moment so poignantly, I, was, I felt so trapped and imprisoned. I did not like that idea at all. So when I read the Far Work Week, it was like seeing the light. It's like, oh, I don't actually have to take that path. It's a combination of things happened. Like I got out of a relationship. I had just started consulting. So I was, I was just kind of like location independent. And you were selling your PPC service. Yeah. I worked for a lead generator, a home improvement lead generator doing PPC right. search. And I was one of the members on the paid search team. I think it was like the third person hired. So I was doing a lot of the grunt work of creating ads and editing ads and all that stuff. So you were starting to sell your services. You were getting out of a relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I had planned a trip to DCPKK. I was in a mastermind at that time and Eric Paquette had shown me his schedule. I was planning on going to the conference, but it was just going to be a two week trip because my girlfriend at the time wasn't that into traveling. So I was like, well, I can't, I can't go for that long. And then I got out of that relationship. Eric Paquette showed me his itinerary. He was doing a stopover in Munich for Oktoberfest and then taking this long extended trip to Asia. And I was like, I could do that. I could totally just like copy your schedule and <laughs> make this a two month trip rather than a two week trip. I ended up doing that. And to take that trip, I had to pare down to basically a backpack. I wasn't going to be renting a room or anything. So I was basically just had a backpack. And that's when the thought of what do I do after this trip? Do I just go back to Portland? And that's when the light bulb of, well, I've never been married to Portland. So if I'm ever going to try out other cities, this would be the ideal time because I'm just in a backpack. So I'm super mobile. I was like, okay, if I'm going to try other cities, where would I go? And I made a list and Austin was at the top in San Francisco and Boulder. And the plan was to take the trip, come back and stay in each of those cities for a month or two months and try them out and pick one that I liked and move there. So did you execute that plan? I Not really. I didn't finish it. I started it. <laughs> I got to Austin and 
I was kind of tired of being so nomadic. It was a combination of, you know, being on the road for a really long time, feeling like I didn't have a home because I was no longer in Portland, but I wasn't living anywhere else yet. And one of my big, big clients had left, so I needed to take some time to work. So I got to Austin and was like, I don't really want to move around anymore. So I ended up staying for a couple months longer than I thought. I went back to Portland in the summer, which is the best time of year to be in Portland. And being back there made me realize that I was more drawn to Austin. I didn't know that that was going to happen. I think it, I had to go back to visit Portland to, to realize that. And I think... When you're in Portland, what is it missing for you that you think back to Austin? Yeah, that's a good question. Again, part of this might just be the timing of where I was at in my life. Because when I read the Four Rookie, that was a major turning point. I started, you know following Sean Ogle and a bunch of different bloggers that were doing the digital nomad thing. And I joined the DC, obviously. And so I was surrounding myself more with solopreneurs and lifestyle designers. At that point, I started already shifting my culture. In the trip, I was I met a lot of DCers. I hung out with a lot of DCers. And when we went to Austin, I had kind of figured out who my people were. And so when I got here, I was plugged into the DC group and I had made friends with a bunch of entrepreneurs and people that I like spending time with. So part of it was that the community here was way more in line with what my interests are, people that excite me and share similar interests. So and in Portland, I have amazing friends in Portland, but they didn't necessarily share this to the same interests. So I think that was a big difference. And also Austin's just, it's very different. The energy is very different. I think that was the big thing. I actually really like Portland culture, but it's way more laid back. It's more like recreational and like, hey, let's go ski and then drink some beers and then work in a coffee shop, you know, not on your computer, but like <laughs> actually like behind the counter. It's <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the difference. Like, wow. In Portland, people want to work behind the counter, whereas in Austin, there's more of the, there's more hustle here. There's more entrepreneurship. There's just more energy to me. There's more hustle. This might be a, a hard question, but yeah. in our community, the DC, those people can ostensibly live anywhere. Right. If I had asked you to guess, why is Austin the number one city in the world for people that could choose to live anywhere? That is a great question. I am personally, after traveling to Asia and whatnot, I love Asia, but I'm personally a fan of living in the States. For me, it's, I think I can be more productive in the States, mainly because you have all of the amenities that you're used to and everything's in English and there's a culture that you're used to. So yeah, Austin's great because it has, it has all the advantages of the States and it also doesn't have the disadvantages of you know, like a huge city. It's not super expensive. This is kind of random, but I was listening to Tim Ferriss' podcast uh, a few months ago, and he had Noah Kagan on the show, mm -hmm. and he lives in town. And what he said was that if you were in your 20s and you were really ambitious, maybe not Austin, maybe like right. San Francisco or New York, yeah. but if you're in your 30s and you kind of like have something going, like this is definitely the place. Yes. Do you agree with that opinion? I completely agree with that. Yeah, if you want to have a high-powered career or put that first, then somewhere big like New York would be a good choice. And if you want to be in the startup world, I would say go to San Francisco. But Austin has this nice middle ground of it's super livable. And also there's a lot happening economically and there's a good startup scene here. Yeah, it's that middle ground of not too like high-powered, fast-paced, big city, everything happening. It's not that, but it still has a lot of hustle and a lot of energy. But it's not a super laid-back, nothing-happening city. It's, it's this nice middle ground where there's plenty going on. Here's a personal story that I don't think I've shared on the podcast. When I lived in South Carolina in 2013 in a shitty college dorm, and I sat around with all my buddies, and we decided that we would go somewhere together. And so we had to choose a city so that we could all like share an apartment and <laughs> didn't have any money. We didn't want to go home. 
because we all were from less hospitable places than Minneapolis. Right. Um, <laughs> and at the top of my list was Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. I ended up visiting it a few years later. I didn't end up moving there. We ended up going to San Diego. But I was always curious about Austin, so I ended up visiting it to see, to kind of test it out. Mm-hmm. It very had this kind of slacker vibe. Hmm. Like panhandling is kind of cool here. Yeah. Especially if you have a nice funky outfit on or something. This incredible amount of acceptance kind of vibe. And it seems like there's still that here, but that there's something evolving in the air. Like it's getting more of an edge here. Like I think the reason I asked you about the hustle question is a lot of people that I've been talking to that have moved here. They're saying like, yeah, like people are making money here. Like people are Mm -hmm. building things here. And Part of that is what attracts them to here is the multiples, the numbers, the ambition. Yeah. Are you seeing that change Austin at all? So I think part of what's happening in Austin, I think like a trend that's happening in the world in general is that as people become more remote and mobile, they have more freedom to go somewhere. And that allows people to kind of congregate in clusters around shared, you know, interests. And I'm having this visual of, you know, like a planet forming and it starts out with like (laughs) i think you know cities can kind of have this gravity that they form i think austin's center of gravity is that place it's sort of like more of the independent hustle yeah it's not san francisco it's not startup world there is a startup scene but it's not a huge startup scene so it's not san francisco it's not a big corporate it's not you know new york it's got this middle ground where you know it's in texas so it's got the entrepreneurial independent spirit and i think that's attracting a lot of people that are doing internet and web hustle I have to ask you a question. What would you think is a reasonable budget to live in Austin? <laughs> in terms of rent, if you wanted to rent a one bedroom, yeah, you know, and then how much would expenses be for somebody looking to move here? To answer that question, I mean, it, it depends like anything on, on what kind of lifestyle you want. But I would say a big difference is whether or not you want to live by yourself or in a shared housing situation. I pay $1,000 a month. That affords me a, a really nice room and a really awesome house. So you live in like a real family home, I live but in with a roommates. Family home, yeah. My house situation is really interesting. So I found that house when I, I guess before I go into that, I would say probably you could get by on 2000 a month here. You could go less than that or more than that, depending on what your interests are or what your tastes are. Some people find houses that are rooms that are 500, 600. I would say that's pretty rare. If you want to live in a good area by yourself, it's going to be at least 800. But other than that, I mean, everything is fairly cheap, I would say. Like beers are four or five bucks. Food is, you know, not too expensive, like eight to 10 for a good meal. So housing situation. Let's hear about your yeah. pad. Just found it on Airbnb and I hit them up and was like, do you guys have anything long-term available? And the guy who answered is like this profile picture is like, he's got this big long blonde hair and he's like sitting next to a tiger and he just looks like an extreme sport kind of dude. He messaged me back and he's like, yeah, I'm actually going sailing for two months. So if you want to just take my room and cover my rent, that'd be great. So I moved in and it's, it's just a bunch of dudes and they were like the ultimate offline hustlers or mostly offline. They were like the sharing economy hustlers. So they, right. They like had, driving Uber right. and doing South by Southwest gigs. Exactly. The main guy said he made, they, he started Ubering before Uber existed. During South by, before Uber was even a company, he bought a convertible and he knew there was a ton of people and a lot of people needed rides. So he would just drive around and ask people if they needed a ride and that worked. And then he bought a convertible because he knew that people would just yell at him. So, and then he was, <laughs> you know, charging large sums of money. And yeah, I think he said one year he made like seven grand 
during the week just driving people around so they had this hustle where they they used to live together and they had airbnb just to you know make some cash and they realized hey we could like upgrade this a bit that's why they found our house they bought it specifically so they could airbnb it and the the plan was to live rent free so when i moved in they all had a room there's three bedrooms and then there was like this bunk bed in the garage so they would list all the rooms and then if someone rented their room they would either move into the garage or like live with a friend that this was very representative of the austin culture though. it it's is interesting that you mention it because that i think what a lot of these laptop hustlers have recognized kindred spirit mm-hmm. in the city and the thing about them is they're not doing it they didn't get into the sharing economy hustle to like make a lot of money they just like to play like that's their thing is they like to be outside and ride dirt bikes and and just have fun and play frisbee golf and that's why they got into it they're like well how can we you know lower overhead so that we can just play more right (laughs) and now so they're doing the four-hour work week analog version exactly exactly but they're i mean they're doing pretty well like they got into it just to you know put together some cash but they've been expanding their their hustle one of them has like four or five houses now that he's renting out an airbnb let me ask you now that you've been executing the design life plan Mm -hmm. the four-hour work week how do you look back on the ideas in that book do they hold true in your life today and what's changed for you I totally think they hold true. I think it's a little bit different for me now, though. So I think when I first read The 4-Hour Workweek, I was really into the idea of traveling. Having a lot of freedom, ultimately, but also traveling. And I think a lot of that was, I just wasn't that satisfied <laughs> with where I was at. And I just wanted to like have a life that seemed more fun and exciting to me. And when I first started you know, consulting and traveling and getting into the lifestyle design world, it was a lot better. The travel and the freedom were amazing. As I got farther along, I realized traveling and freedom are really fun, but they're not ultimately what makes me most happy. So now I've kind of shifted. So I still have similar ideas of freedom and like use your freedom to create a life that makes you you know happy and fulfilled, which I think is ultimately the message of the four hour work week. For me now, it's, it's a little bit different. I think my values have shifted a bit. Now what I really want is to find work that I find fulfilling. For me, I don't want to work four hours a week. I want to work a lot because I, I want to enjoy doing it. So I think that is a big difference rather than, you know, working less and traveling more and playing more. It's like, I actually want to put together a life that makes me really fulfilled. And that looks different. It looks like finding good work and doing that and setting up maybe a little bit more rooted of a life that brings me fulfillment. Yeah. Are you willing to get married to Austin then? <laughs> That's a really intense question. <laughs> Can you tell that I'm afraid of commitment? I am married to Austin for the rest of my young independent life. I'll say that much. <laughs> I don't know that I want to settle down here. I could see that happening, but I think Austin's strong suit is young people. And when I think about settling down like long-term, I imagine I'll have a partner and I think I'll want to be by mountains and maybe in a bit like quieter area, like Boulder, for example, might be a good place to settle down. So I don't know. I think it depends on how it unfolds, but for now I'm loving Austin. That's great. That's the last question. But for the record, how do people that are interested in you, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? Or should I link to you and stuff like that? Well, if you want to check out my new project, The Writing Community, it's at roughwritersclub It's kind of under construction. So. It's still rough. <laughs> it's still super. That's the whole premise is rough. Or at least that's one of the principles of the community. is Helping people to get the words on paper. Yeah write rough so don't be afraid of having a shitty product this is a response to you trying to find more fulfilling work because you can make money selling your time as a ppc consultant exactly writing is really interesting to me it's really cool to be able to help people write more and to have a community of people 
I just, I love that. It's a combination of those things. And it's also like a project that I have full ownership over. It's kind of hard to put into words. It feels like my thing rather than when I was consulting, you know, it was kind of like I'm helping other people. It's something that matters to me and that I have full control over and that can grow and change a lot of people's lives, hopefully. Made me think about consulting. It's different, right? Because when you consult somebody on their business, you might help them a lot, but then they can always pull the rug out. Like you don't get to keep anything from that. Right. Whereas if you help somebody in a community, then you get to have the community. (laughs) You get to be a part of it. Yeah. It doesn't get pulled out from underneath your... That's one of the toughest things that every consultant faces, I guess, is that you put your energy, your soul into the work, you really care about your client, and then they can just flippantly end it. Right. There's that, and also when you're a consultant, you're a service provider, and so you're you're almost like an employee. You're not because you have your own independence and your own freedom, but you're basically working for someone else on their project. And what I like about this new project is I'm creating it out of scratch and I have full ownership over it. And it's, there's something about that creation process that's really fun to me. It's like I get to make a thing that didn't exist. How are you going to spend the rest of your day here in Austin? I got to go meet up with Boss Man. So what are you going to do when you leave the cafe? Well, I was just in San Francisco for the weekend. So I got to readjust to the work week. So I'm going to go home and do some work, probably work out, probably go for a run on the Town Lake Trail. And what is the Town Lake Trail? So the Town Lake Trail, I don't know how long long it is i should know how long it is but it goes around the town lake which is actually just the colorado river but they call it a lake because it's dammed so it's a big loop you could probably do like 20 miles 30 miles i don't know it's long i don't know exactly how long it's it really is. beautiful it's beautiful especially the section by me it goes right by auditorium shores which they just redid it's this big open field with a dog park and yeah it's great. You got a beautiful view of the downtown. So you're going for a 5 p.m. run. 5 p- how would you spend your Probably evening like in Probably like a 4 Austin? p.m. run. Tonight, there's another one of the weird cults that I'm in. I'm going to go to one of their activities. So My roommate here is going to a meetup like four times a week. Yeah. There's everything you want here. That is another big perk, I think, of the U.S. and especially Austin. It's like anything that you want. Like, So the thing I'm going to tonight is called circling. And it's like a form of authentic relating, which is a whole other can of worms. But that's something Austin has, I think, the biggest authentic relating community in the world. And that's the kind of thing that you're not going to get necessarily in Bangkok. Thanks for joining us, Peter. It yeah. was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Ian, have you met Peter, by the way, yet? I have. One thing you should know about Peter, and I'm very disappointed, but he throws a rager around <laughs> around Christmas time, and I missed it this year. <laughs> yes, I have met Peter. Very cool. You know, those parties when you go to it in Austin, everybody is so friendly. We went to a house party one time. We didn't know anybody. It was one of those deals, you know? We are kind of kind of try to get in there and you're like you know blend into the wall a little bit you don't make a mess try not to go to the bathroom or anything like that and just people just embrace us like hey what are you doing here hey it's so good to have you we met some entrepreneurs in austin i'd say it's the least clicky place i've ever been to like it's very easy to get into other people's social circles and create your own it's great so we're going to talk more about austin on the show of course because you live there and we have a lot more interviews from the time we've spent there what are uh, your 2016 plans ian while we're at the end of the episode here are you going to spend most of it in texas you think i came up with my plans between you didn't hear the hesitation in my voice <laughs> at the beginning of this episode you think somehow by 
by the end of the episode, I have plans now? I asked you for the theme. <laughs> this is a much more conceptual question. I'm just asking you what you're doing. Well, <laughs> on a personal level, I've got a lot of racing to do. There's a series down here in Texas that I'm competing in, a Miata series. And I started racing dirt bikes. So on a personal level, I have got tons of racing to do this year. And in terms of business... Wow. What about personal? You got some big personal stuff coming up. Can I just wave my hand at that? What else? What else do I have? I don't know. You, you're in a committed relationship. You're going on. You guys almost been together half a decade. Oh, now. come on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> That's obviously a big priority for you. That is a priority. I know you've been interviewing some relationship experts, not yourself and certainly not me. That's true. We have an episode coming up about that. (laughs) Speaking of episodes, the plan is to do 52 of them in 2016. Are you up for the challenge? I'm absolutely up for the challenge. And, you know, one of our priorities, actually, well, we're talking a little bit of inside baseball here, is to get ahead on these shows. And that's something that we've been desperately trying to do for the last couple of years. And I think 2016 is going to be the year, buddy, where we're not rushing to put on an episode every week. So it'll be interesting to see if we can do it because... We're talking to more people, more interesting people, but bringing together is at the end and getting it live is still just as difficult as ever. It'll be interesting to see if we can get up to that challenge. Oh, another thing that you and I are both participating in, I think, <laughs> is sometime, what, Q2, Q3, we're going to try and do a nice little ride in Barcelona or in Spain somewhere. Oh, yeah. Cycling. That's happening. Lots of cycling. Yeah, I think we'll probably announce that, right, when we decide to do it. Sure. Maybe invite some listeners to come along. I can officially say we're going to have a European event in the summertime or the springtime, if you count the end of May as the spring. So it sounds like I got a lot of Europe in my future then, 2016. Should be good. Glad we cleared that up. (laughs) We got to do some serious planning, man. Anyway, we just came on at the end of the interview. I hope you enjoyed listening to Peter as much as I enjoy meeting him and talking to him. But thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast six years on. And this is certainly the best part of my week. Best part of our business for me and for sure is doing the show, connecting with listeners like Peter. So just so happy to do it for another year. And I'm really looking forward to expanding the podcast team in 2016 and and trying to do more with the show. Happy New Year. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.